thinking about today and uh, as we're in this very last uh, message in this series, Four Prayers That Can Change Your Life, uh, it got me to thinking about some, sometimes we can kind of feel the same way. Uh, when it comes to maybe bad decisions we've made, regrets we have in life, why didn't someone give me a heads up? Uh, why didn't someone tell me what was around the corner? Um, and so as we get into this last prayer, my question is, what if there was a prayer that we could pray that would help us avoid maybe some of the regrets that are around the corner, some of the bad decisions that lie maybe in front of us? Well, every single one of us, I know, have made decisions that we wish we could change. Uh, maybe it's regrets. Um, about something that impacted us in a significant way. Maybe it was a regret that impacted others in a significant way. And if I could take a wild guess, it probably all started with a temptation to do something that you knew that you shouldn't do. A temptation that we've maybe experienced. Come on, we've all been there. We knew we shouldn't do it, and we did it anyway. Uh, because I think from time to time, we all have that little angel and that little devil depicted in the cartoon telling us to do something, not to do something. It's almost like there's this battle back and forth between good and evil, right and wrong. What should we do? And both sides are vying for our attention. And here's why this is such a big deal today and why this prayer is so important for our lives. And it's the first film in the notes. Uh, it's because of this, that every temptation has the ability to destroy your future Destroy your family and destroy your faith. Every temptation has the ability to destroy your future, your family, and your faith. And come on, we already know this, that there's much more riding on every decision that we make than maybe we give ourselves credit for. Um, our families, our future, our influence, our relationships, and even our relationship with God, all of those things are at stake when we begin to make the wrong kinds of decisions. And somewhere intuitively, for every single one of us, we know what's at stake. We know how important this is. We know that the people that are most important to us will be impacted the most by our bad decisions. And so because of that, we have to learn how we can guard the areas of our life that have the potential to take us out. And that's why this prayer is so important today. This is life-changing prayer number four. Here it is. God, search my heart. God, search my heart. This is a dangerous and a powerful prayer that has the potential to protect us and to help us. Um, if you've ever bought a house before, you probably hired a house inspector, did you not, to have them come and check everything out? Um, I have bought four houses in my lifetime, which is hard to believe given that I'm only 23, but I bought four houses in that time, and every single time I paid 300 bucks to have someone come and inspect my house, right? And it's kind of painful. You don't want to pay the $300 because you're like, it's probably fine. But what if it wasn't fine? Then you'd be kicking yourselves that you didn't pay the $300. You know what I'm talking about. And so you hire this person to come out, this man, this woman, they come out and they've got this checklist, don't they? And they come out with their camera and they begin to run the gamut of the house. They're in every nook and cranny, all the places you didn't want to go where the cobwebs are and all of that. And they're inspecting everything. They're looking for things that you didn't even know that you should be looking for and be aware of. And then at the end of the day, they give you this shiny book and you open it up and here's all the things wrong with your home. Congratulations. Uh, you open it up and you look at all the pictures and you see all the things. And, and here are the things that are really important you need to pay attention to. Here's some other things you should probably fix in the next little while. But at the end of the day, their job is to search our house, to figure it all out, so that we can know 
with a, with a clean conscience what kind of home we're really building. Eyes wide open, right? Lights on. We know the deficiencies of this house. And I'll never forget that one of the houses I was in, I didn't even need an inspector for this. I had gone in to look at it, and I saw a big crack in the foundation wall of the house. That was a big no-no, right? Anytime you see a crack, it's like, all right, that is not a good sign for the future. But these house inspectors, their job is to look thoroughly and search for any weaker, vulnerable spots. And this kind of prayer is exactly what you and I can do. When we pray and ask God to search our hearts, he will help us find the vulnerable spots in our life. And I love this prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139, verse 22. He said this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Search me and test me. Search me and test me, God. And in this important prayer, God is asking, or David is asking God to search his life, his heart, his mind. He's saying, test me on this, God, because I know how deceitful my emotions are, and I also know how good I am at justifying things in my life. I know how good I am at justifying the little things, that they're all, they're not that big of a deal. It would be like seeing that foundational crack in the house going, ah, it's no biggie. We'll just put some putty in there and everything will be okay. And if each one of us did that, we would say, what a foolish mistake that would be to not address the crack in the foundation and yet allowing God, your next fill and allowing God to search your heart will reveal the very areas he wants you to work on. It will reveal the areas that he wants you to work on. Uh, ever since I've been young, I've been a big fan of the, of the cop shows. You ever see that? Like back in the day, it was cops, you know, on channel Fox 29. That's where you'd watch it. And now they have live PD. And sometimes I'll watch that with my boys. They, they're starting to get into that a little bit. And I always love the moment when they pull over the car, they see something suspicious, the person's out of the car, and the, the officer is beginning to investigate a little bit and ask him questions. And then they ask him this question, and I always love to see the response of the person as soon as this question is asked. And here it is. They say, do you mind if I search your vehicle? And instantly you know whether or not they have something to hide, right? Because people have nothing. They're like, oh, no, sure, go ahead, you know? For everyone else, they're like, wait a second. Can you search my car? That's a great question. Can you search my car? I mean, is it legal? I mean, can you really search? I mean, I just got a, like a big gulp in there and nothing else. But I mean, can you, you know, and this goes on and on and on. And finally, you know, they finally search the car and the people are nervous and, you know, they're wigging out just a little bit. And finally, of course, they find the narcotics or they find the weapon or they find whatever in the vehicle. They get so nervous. And I think the same idea when we think about asking God to search our life, it makes us a little nervous. That maybe we'd be that vulnerable with our Heavenly Father. Because I really do. For every one of us, I think somewhere down deep, we think God doesn't know about everything. And there's some secrets that I don't want him to know about. But the truth is, is that your Heavenly Father already knows it all. He already has seen every single thing. In fact, Scripture tells us that there's nothing hidden from him. He already knows it. And so when David prays this prayer, search my heart and test my life, God, he goes on in verse 23, he says, to see if there is any offensive way in me. God, search my heart, 
test me to see if there's anything offensive, anything that's offensive to you in my life. Now, David isn't saying this. He's not praying this prayer implying that God doesn't already know and needs to go searching through your life. Okay, give me a few minutes here. Let me just search through your life. Hey, I found something. You know, That's not what David is implying. He already knows that God knows everything. He simply means, God, would you search me and bring it to my own attention? Because I know how good I am at foo-fooing things and justifying things. I know how good at my culture is as saying that everything's acceptable and everything's okay. And so sometimes blindly I just go through life and I don't even know that there's things that's offending you. David is saying, I want you to bring it to my attention so I can clear my heart and my mind up. Clear it up. You see, praying this prayer, your next fill-in, praying this prayer wakes up our conscience to the reality of our current choices. Praying this kind of prayer, God, search my heart, search my life. It wakes up our conscience to the reality of our current choices. In other words, you're saying, God, show me the things that are going on in my workplace that aren't okay with you. Show me the things going on in my home that aren't okay with you. Show me the the choices of entertainment that aren't pleasing to you. Show me the things in my relationship that isn't pleasing to you. Show me the choices I'm making with my money. Show me the decisions that I'm about to make. Just show me, search me, try me, reveal it all to me. And if we're honest, I think this is kind of hard for us. It's such a vulnerable prayer to say, God, would you search me and try me? Would you show me if there's anything offensive in me? And I think it's hard because in a small way, sometimes we know that there's things that God's not pleased with and we just kind of like to be left alone in our sin. It's not that big of a deal, and do we really have to talk about this? And you know, why can't we just ignore that for a while? I mean, why does God have to be all nosy in my life? I mean, why does He even set boundaries and limits for us in the first place? Why does He do that? For the exact same reason that, as a parent, you would set boundaries and limits for your kids, because what they don't know can very much hurt them. When they don't see the other side of the consequence, the other side of that decision. And our Heavenly Father loves us so much in that same way. That your next feeling is this, that God's limits are there to protect us and give us the best life possible. God's limits are there to protect us and give us the best life possible. Now this isn't super glamorous in our culture's eye. It says do whatever you want, whatever feels good, do it, whatever you want. doesn't matter, there are no limits. With our Heavenly Father, if you're a follower of Jesus, now listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you don't have those limits. You can do whatever you want. But even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think it'd be wise, right, for all of us to pay attention to say, what are the choices that I'm making in life? Obviously, you've seen people's lives go off the rails. You've seen the decisions they've made that have caused marriages to fall apart. You've seen decisions made that have financially ruined people. You've seen it. We've all seen it. And so even if you're not a follower of Jesus, Be wise to lean into this. But if you are a follower of Jesus, all the more we need to pay attention to the boundaries that he's putting in our life. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this, Blessed is the one. Blessed is the man or woman sitting in this room. Blessed are you, right where you're sitting this morning. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night, that person who does not walk, stand, or sit in sin 
is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, what's that word? Prospers. I mean, when we get to the end of this verse, we actually like this word, don't we? In fact, every single one of us would say, I would love my life to prosper. I would love my life to bear fruit. I would love to be the kind of person when other people look at me, they go, man, that, man, that guy just seems like he's blessed. Everything he does, man, it just seems like he's prospering in life. We all want to be in that place. But how do you get there? How do you get in a place where your life is developing good fruit? How do you get in that place where things are prospering? Well, the scripture gave us the answer, and it's your next fill-in. To not walk, stand, or sit in sin is a pathway of blessing in our life. To not walk, stand, or sit in sin is a pathway of blessing in our life. Just like negative choices and the wrong kinds of choices will lead you down a path you never wanted to go, so in turn, right choice after right choice after right choice will lead you to a path of blessing, a path of prospering in every area of our life. It really is that simple. So let me ask you this question. Are you walking in sin? Are you standing in sin? Are you sitting in sin? And how would you know unless you already know? You would pray this powerful prayer. God, search my heart. Search my heart. And do you know why it's powerful? Come on, you already know this. Because when you pray that prayer, your heavenly father will answer you. He will answer. You know why? Because he loves us and he wants the best for us. So when you pray that prayer, I promise you, he will begin to show you the areas that he wants you to work on. And here's why this is important. Proverbs 13, 21, we already know this. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. Trouble pursues the sinner. The righteous are rewarded with good things. So you can be pursued or you can be rewarded. The choice is ours. The choice is not up to our Heavenly Father. The choice isn't up to the enemy. The choice is up to us. We will either be pursued or we will be rewarded. Now for many of us, we wonder, is God really willing to reward us? Does God really have something better for me? Because, man, I got this thing in front of me that uh, looks really good. And maybe I should just go with this, even though I know God wouldn't be super pleased. Man, it would sure gratify me in this moment. Should I really wait and trust God that he has something better on the other side? We wonder, is God really going to come through with something better? Is it worth waiting? Uh, can we really trust him to reward us like he said that he will? I mean, what bad could really come from this? And our human nature is to take the immediate instead of waiting for God's blessing. And that's why as David's praying this prayer, search me, God, try me, see if there's any offensive way. He ends his prayer this way in verse 23. He says, and lead me in the way everlasting. God, lead me. I know you searched me and you tried me. I mean, but now I need you to lead me into a better way. You've searched my heart. You've shown me the things I need to change. So God, as I begin to change these things, show me a better way, something that's going to last for eternity. Help me to change what I'm doing. And before Jesus left this earth, he said that he was sending the Holy Spirit to be our helper, that he would be the one who convicts us who guides us 
And oftentimes you can feel it. You feel the Holy Spirit at work, right? You sense that conviction in your gut. It's like, ah, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't watch this. I know I shouldn't talk about this. I know I shouldn't go there. I know I shouldn't pick up the phone. I know I shouldn't call her. I know I shouldn't call him. It's like we can feel it. And that's Holy Spirit, the helper, trying to lead us into this very promise that God gives us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, every temptation you faced, everybody's faced it before. There's nothing new under the sun. Everybody's been tempted. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Here's God's faithful promise. Every time you're faced with temptation, the Holy Spirit will begin to activate and be work in your heart and life, and he'll show you a way out. And again, the choice is ours. We can either take the way out, or we can take the path that leads us into that choice. See your next villain. In God's faithfulness, he provides a way out of temptation for us. He will provide a way out. Now let's talk for a moment about this way out. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if every temptation that you faced, there was just a giant exit sign that was blinking, right? Saying, here's your way out, here's your way out, here's your way out. Don't talk to him, don't go down that path, don't show up there, come on, here's your way out. Blinking, blinking, blinking. But the truth is, is that you're probably a lot like me and that you get tempted with the same couple things just over and over and over again. You're probably not being tempted with a whole onslaught of new temptations every single week or month. It's probably the same pesky things over and over again. And here's why that is good news if that is the case. It means that we know those temptations are coming our way. Why? Because we've dealt with it before. We're going to deal with it again. And if we know it's coming our way, we are able to see a clearer way out. And it's what I call making a pre-choice choice. Everybody say that with me. A pre-choice choice. Come on, one more time. A pre-choice choice. The back was a little quiet, everybody. A pre-choice choice. A pre-choice choice. That's our way out. Because if many of us wait until we're in the heat of the moment to decide what we're going to do with that temptation, most times we will lose. Most times we lose. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray, watch and pray, pray and watch, watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus says, listen, I know how you're made up because I've been there. I was in human form. I was tempted in every single way that you are except without sin. I know the struggle. I know the battle. I know that you want to follow me. I know that your desire for God is true. I know that you love your heavenly father. But when that temptation comes, it is difficult to make the right choice. So what does Jesus say to do? Watch and pray. Pray and watch. So we can avoid it. You see, for us to win against temptation, your next villain, we must make choices not when we are in a weak moment, but when we are in a position of strength. For us to win against temptation, we must make choices not when we are in a weak moment, but when we are in a position of strength. 
And so if I know that temptation is going to be around the corner tomorrow, what choice am I going to make today about that temptation? Because I know I'm going to see her in class. I know I'm going to see him at work. Right? I know that financial, I'm going, to, I'm going to be tempted to fudge the numbers to do whatever it is. I know I'm going to be tempted tomorrow to look at that, or I know I'm going to be tempted to lean on that, whatever it is. We know the temptation's around the corner, so what are we doing today in a position of strength to not give in to that temptation? What pre-choice choice are we going to make about that temptation tomorrow? What decision do you need to make now to not give in then? And it helps so much when we can just say, listen, God, I need your help. You've tested my heart. You've known these are areas I need to work on, and so I'm asking you now for your help. That tomorrow when I'm tempted with this, would you give me the strength as I'm making that decision now to say no to that and walk away? I'm telling you what, it does so much for your mental fortitude. And that's why Jesus said, come on, you have to pray and ask for God's help, and then you've got to watch. Pray and watch. Pray and watch. Be vigilant about that because why? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray and watch. God, search my heart. Such a powerful prayer. Search my heart. Show me what needs to change and then help me to watch out for the things that will ruin the most important things in my life. How important is this? Well, I think this story by Chuck Swindoll illustrates it very well. He said this, many years ago, I broke my left hand. And it happened while I was working as an apprentice in a machine shop in Houston. The result was a trip to the hospital and a surgical procedure during which the doctor inserted a stainless steel pin from my knuckle to my wrist to hold the bone in place while it healed. During one of my follow-up visits, after the surgeon examined my hand, he mentioned that he would not be there when I returned to have the pin removed, but he said his associate was able to handle everything. Curious, I asked if he was planning on taking some well-earned vacation time. Yes, he sighed, I'm feeling a little drained these days, and I think I'll escape for a couple of weeks, play some golf, and relax. And then he added, also, I've got this little mole on my belly I need to have removed, so no big deal, but while I'm away, I'm going to have that taken care of as well. Well, when I returned to have the pin removed, I inquired about my physician. The nurse stared blankly as the associate cleared his throat. Without looking up, he said, didn't you hear? He died last week. I was absolutely stunned. My mind whirled. I choked out, he what? It was cancer. When his surgeon made the incision to remove the mole, then probed deeper, he discovered that his entire abdomen was laced with the malignant tissue. He never had a clue just a slight yet steady drain in energy. Actually, the only thing on the surface was that innocent-looking little mole. He didn't live a week after they sewed him up. And I'm reminded that temptation to sin is a lot like that little mole. That it starts small, but soon it is draining and devouring parts of our life much like cancer in the body. Because what we know about sin is that sin always takes you further than you wanted to go. It always keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. And it always ends up costing more than you wanted to pay. It's just how sin works. 
And it's why our Heavenly Father so badly wants us to show us the areas in our life that need attention. And why this prayer is so important. Because if it's not addressed and we don't pray this prayer, there will come a time that it's just too late. Proverbs 1, 28, 33 talks about that. God says, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat of the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But, and if there was ever a good but in a scripture, I mean, this is it right here. This is a good but. But whoever listens to me will live in, what's that word? Safety. And will be at ease without fear of harm. That's a good but, isn't it? It is. God, search me and try me and see if there's anything offensive in me. And here's the great news. Our Heavenly Father will answer us. He will respond and then we get a choice to make. We can choose what we will do with those problem areas. We can continue down that path or we can do what this scripture just said, to listen and to obey. And if we do, we will live in safety and we will be at ease without fear of harm. So let me ask you this question as we wrap up. How are you doing? And asking God to search you and try you. How good are you doing at obeying and listening to the little things that he's bringing up, saying, no, we can't have this and you can't do that and you can't. Come on, I want to protect you. I want to protect your family. I want to protect your relationship with me. I want to protect your future. This is so, so, so important. How are you doing? How are we doing? See, these pre-choice choices may save our future, may save our family, may save our faith, our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So today as we close, I want us to pray this life-changing prayer. God, search my heart. So if we could do this all over this room, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes, and as we just take 30 seconds for every person in this room to pray this prayer, and then we're going to listen for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the leader of your life. Maybe you've been trying to save yourself and you realize it's not working and maybe you identify with what Debbie talked about in her baptism video today. That you needed a love that would never fail. And it's only found in Jesus. And maybe the beginning of searching your heart in life is recognizing you need his leadership in your life. And if that's you in this moment, you can simply pray that prayer of forgiveness, asking him to forgive you and asking him to be the leader of your life. You can do that right now. So 30 seconds between you and God. Either of these prayers, let's do that and listen.
Father, we're so grateful that you call us sons and daughters. And just like any loving parent, you set up limits and boundaries for us. Not to keep us from enjoying life, but to experience life to the fullest. To succeed in the things that matter most to us. The things that seem to get lost in our mind when temptation arises. And so humbly, we do ask you to search us and try us. And may we make this a regular habit. God, regularly, we could just ask you, search me, try me, and begin to listen more and more to the voice of the Holy Spirit that you've put in us to lead us into all truth that will be a counselor for us. And when we hear your voice, when we sense your leading, when we feel conviction, would you give us the strength to walk in obedience to you? To cut the things out of our life that have the potential to destroy our families, to destroy our future, to destroy our relationship with you, to destroy our influence, to destroy other relationships around us. God, we need your strength to do those things. We know it's not easy. Our flesh is weak. But God, we declare today that our spirit is willing. So help us to make decisions in those positions of strength to walk away from patterns of sin that will take life from us. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you offer us new paths and new hope. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.